0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions, because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And a good Saturday morning, one and all. And uh, to Charlie, right on the other side of the glass, here and
2: <laughs> I Plexiglas studio wall.
1: Yeah. Good morning, Charlie. I can
2: see you. Hello.
1: Yeah. Good to see you too. Yeah. Uh, we've been sitting here laughing and giggling, going over some of the Christmas chit chat <laughs> that probably goes on in everybody's household.
2: <laughs> probably some uh, more than others. <laughs> yeah.
1: First, though, let me let me plug the yeah. phone lines because wh- what happens usually on the show? It's a slow start with, you know, trying to begle people to get that call in now so you don't get crammed up at the end and and then lose your spot. Okay, so in Toronto, here's the number to call to reach Charlie Dobbin. The garden show this is, you see, right? 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, call early, call, Call early, call often, one question per call, and if you happen to be a first time caller, let Carlos, our operator, know, and just before you get the air, you're going to hear that. You're going to get your garden wings. It's the best. Yeah. All right. And that that being said, well, those are the ground rules. Now, see folks are we calling. We have rules. In the ground rules that we hardly ever really had, had, adhere to,
2: except when Patrolman Proctor gets well, on his yeah, high that, horse. That,
1: that one question per call thing is <laughs> the hardest. Kind of. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to police.
2: But we have had callers who have called often. Yeah. yeah they've called early. Yep. And then they've been able Do to a call in again. Question exactly All in exactly. the same show. So.
1: Well, what yeah. were uh, Charlie and Frankie giggling at before we got to the air here? We well, got
2: into Christmas.
1: Yeah, and I said, so how are things going? Like, you Charlie said, has got yeah, the tree up. And she knows most a marvelous people do. Job. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, so how's it at your place? You got the Christmas tree, you said?
2: It's still in the garage.
1: (laughs) So I said, uh, are you going to get Elliot to help you put that up? I
2: think you said, get Elliot on that. And then I giggled hysterically and said, Elliot doesn't do Christmas trees. You know, I live with a Jew. He does the lutkas. Yeah. It is Hanukkah, by the way, so yeah. happy Hanukkah to uh, the 18th. Yep. Yeah, that's right, and it was t- tonight's the third night, so, um, you know, the third candle gets lit, right. and of course, Lutkas and everything deep fried is part of uh, part of Hanukkah, the whole oil thing, right? Yeah. Deep fried donuts, deep fried potatoes. So it's a pretty yummy holiday as holidays go.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, Marilyn Lightstone, just in case she's tuned in this morning, mm-hmm. I'm going to be playing her song, A Light All Over the World, uh, oh, nice. a little bit later on this afternoon. Yeah, so yeah, there yeah.
2: you go. Yeah, I have a few friends that are having little gatherings during Hanukkah. Yeah. Outside with big bonfires, which right. is kind of cool. It's, that's what you know, It's a light all over the. It's light lighting yeah. up the world is what Hanukkah is all about. So yeah, we call it Christmas at our house because we do both. <laughs> the challenge is <laughs> the both both worlds absolutely. Yeah. And when my kids were little. They they just thought they were so blessed because they got both right. Yeah. Uh, and and you know all the friends were jealous because their friends only got one or the other right. But uh, and it's all about food really the, the holidays. Yeah. It's all about eating. But we um yes. Yeah, so uh, the tree hopefully will come. <laughs> we'll, he'll help me bring it in and we'll get it. <laughs> I'll get it decorated up in the next couple of days. I love, I
1: love the story of you yelling to your neighbors. They're asking, (laughs) tell, tell the folks about that.
2: Well, it's just, I have some neighbors that are very festive and they're new neighbors. Like in my, I'm in a new area. Yeah. Yeah, So people across the street and next door, they didn't live there last year. It was all dark (laughs) and the houses are still being built. So anyway, they're, they're all out there lighting up and spotlights and (laughs) ladders and every, you know, men, some men mostly. And they're looking at our house going like, what's wrong with you people? And I am like, I'm sorry. I live with a Jew. It's all me. I have to do it all. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they're like, "Oh, okay, okay, I understand." So I'm out there with my one string at a time, and he's there. Where's Elliot? Oh God knows. He's reading the paper or something. <laughs> he doesn't care about oh, Christmas Charlie. decorations. It's, you're,
1: you're too much. Okay, it's, it's look, pretty fine. Yeah. We've got got callers (laughs) building up on the line here. We don't want to incur any wrath. So let's uh, move along to our first break. It's the Garden Show. You're listening to Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live and direct from a very cloudy day here in Mm. Liberty Village. But uh, you can catch us not only at AM 740, but in downtown Toronto, crystal clear at 96.7 FM.
0: Back in a moment. (laughs) Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Frank Proctor,
1: the sous chef of the garden, just having a giggle fest here this morning. But look, let's deal with the callers, because we've got folks lined up here. Thank like, you. hey, there's Don in Unionville on the line. Good morning, Don.
3: Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Good morning. We have an anthurium plant mm-hmm. in ho- at home, and it's got little flies on it. Oh. My wife Googled. We sprayed it with an s- ivory soap solution, okay. and we put it in a bag. But the flies persist. Hmm. What do we do?
2: So are you seeing the flies on the plant, or are the flies perhaps in the soil of the plant?
3: Uh I didn't see any on the plant, so I presume it's in the soil. Yeah. But it's in a plastic bag now. Poor thing. Oh, so it's kind of hard to see, but every time <laughs> I jiggle a bag, yeah. oh. a few of them come, and then I squish them.
2: Okay. So you know what those are? They look a lot like fruit flies. Yes. They aren't, though. They're actually gnats, so G-N-A-T-S, gnats. They are uh, actually fungus gnats. They eat fungus. So the ones that are flying around are the adults, and they're flying around looking for a good spot to lay eggs. When the eggs hatch, they're tiny, tiny, tiny little caterpillars or yeah. Uh, larvae that eat fungus and then turn into adults and fly around looking for a place to lay eggs. So anthurium, as you probably recognize, do like to be kept fairly moist. So you'll typically have a fair amount of fungus in the soil growing uh, in the pot because of that high moisture level in the pot. Okay. What I would do is I would take it out of the bag, and I would, you know, feel free to squish Mm -hmm. any of the, the little gnats. Maybe before you even take it out of the bag, go to your local hardware store or garden center and pick up something called Sticky Sticks, so the sticks part is spelled S-T-I-X. Sticky sticks is made by safers, and they also were the people who started the soap revolution, which is what you sprayed with. And the soap will work, but it has to coat the insects. And it's very hard to coat flying insects, their whole bodies, right. but it will kill them if you can coat them. Um, but it won't kill the larva because the larva will be under the soil chewing on the fungus that's down there. So what the sticky sticks does is you, you follow the instructions on the box. They're just little, little plastic sticks with bright yellow sticky paper, almost you know, like the old fly paper. You put those in the pot, uh, two or three of them in the pot, and if you have other plants in the house, same thing, just stick some of these sticks into the soil in the pots. All the adults are very attracted to the yellow. They will fly towards it and then get stuck and die. And not be able to lay eggs. So you're going to break up the ability for the generation to... The cycle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the cycle of the next generation. So that is a process. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will take a couple of weeks to eliminate. The other thing I would do is I would try and cut back on my watering a bit. Make sure the anthurium, let it dry down a little more between watering, mm-hmm. and make sure there's no standing water whatsoever uh, in the saucer of, of the pot. And take take the bag away? Uh, do take the bag away, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And get it in a, it needs a bright spot in your house. It doesn't have to be right in a direct sun, but it needs to be in a bright spot. And then just feel that soil. Let the soil, don't keep it always wet. Let Mm -hmm. it get a bit on the dry side between waterings.
3: Okay. I'll do it. All right.
2: Thanks, John. Let us
1: know. (laughs) I'll follow your
2: instructions, boy. (laughs) hope (laughs) you were taking notes, but if you weren't, you can always listen to the podcast. The
1: podcast, and you can get that by going to Zoomer Radio and just following along. To the the garden show. Podcast, the garden show, and then pick out what date you want.
2: Yeah, or go to iTunes. We're on iTunes. ITunes too. Oh,
1: there you are. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're that cool. <laughs> are we ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, and just as Don is waving bye-bye, uh, the phone numbers come up again in my mind here. Okay. In Toronto, 416 360 Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. As we're joined from Brampton, Vanessa on the line. Good morning, Vanessa.
4: Oh, sorry. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I have discovered, once the snow melted, I have little channels, tunnels oh. dug through the grass. And I'm presuming it's voles. Uh-huh. And i really like to know how I can get rid of them. I think they're under my deck, and I've never had them before.
2: <laughs> hmm. It's hard to say. So uh, if they're voles, then where those little tunnels are on, on, in the grass, is it because you, you can see the, yellow, the grass is yellow there? Yes, they've actually dug a channel. It looks like a runoff after a, a rainstorm. Oh yeah. Oh, mm, interesting. Could be voles. Mm. Yeah, voles are vegetarians, right? So they do chew the roots of grasses, turf, um plants, typically from below ground. Yes, and of course then there's moles, very similar to voles, except they're not vegetarians. They eat other insects. So you've got sort of the different things going on there. Um mol- one of the best ways to get rid of voles is to trap them. That's sort of the the reality of of uh voles. Ooh. I know. <laughs> there there are those you know have a heart live traps. Um uh, peanut butter, they love peanut butter. So you can, you can like, a lot of animals. You can because it's so smelly, yeah. right? They love the smell, right? um Otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a bit of a challenge to get rid of voles because they, they're, they're not accessible to you, and so yeah, traps tend to and be they get the tunnels best. all over the place. They will end up with tunnels, lot, and they will yeah. kill, you know, a fair amount of turf, and, and yeah, so you think they're under the deck, you yes. Know, I wonder
1: if we can ask our listeners what success they've had getting rid of voles, you know.
2: Uh, well, exactly. I'm yeah. So, I mean, we're still early in the show here. We we have more time. So maybe somebody who's listening might have a good suggestion. Because I mean, there are a whole bunch of different suggestions on the mm-hmm. web. I, I always remember the one about groundhogs and juicy fruit gum. You know, there's yeah. just sort of and crazy there's, there's things there's like a, that.
1: Kind of a, a shrill sounding of. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, you can buy an electric or battery operated yeah. uh, sound maker mm-hmm. yeah. that we can't hear, but they can, and it, they hate it. Yeah, and,
1: the decibel level that, is way too high. That hell might not. be
2: worth a try. Yeah. yeah. The, so yeah. So keep stay tuned. Um, uh, let's put out a call to the callers, because I, or listeners, and, and have somebody call, hopefully. Maybe we'll get some good suggestions. Because just very quickly here, looking at the web, uh, you know, I'm just, it's talking about, you know, you'll know you've got voles when you can spot trails in the lawn as yep. the snow melts. In early spring, usually, during winter, voles run freely along the ground beneath the snow in well-worn paths. Uh, they eat grass out of the paths to create obstacle-free runways. And then, you know, it sounds like what yep. you've got going on there. Yes,
4: absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Well, I will listen and see yeah. if anybody has had the problem before. Yeah, keep listening. And those safer sticky wicks yes. are absolutely wonderful. You suggested oh, that mm, to mm, me a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they work beautifully, and I keep them on hand at all times. Me too. <laughs> thanks for
5: that. Okay, thank
4: you. Hey,
1: thanks, Vanessa. Have a great day and a great weekend, too, Mm -hmm. as you tune in here to uh, Zoomer Radio. Uh, We're going to take another little break here, then come back and say hi to Gloria, who's maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Hey, you never know. We'll
0: find out, though. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer
1: Radio. All righty, Charlie, as I mentioned just before our break there, Gloria is on the line from somewhere here in Toronto. Good morning, Gloria. Welcome to the show.
6: Oh, it's nice to hear they're bo- both of you are back together again. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Yes, um, I have uh, every year. I have to bring my big hibiscus into my home. Mm-hmm. It's five feet. It's over five feet high and four feet wide. The mm-hmm. only place I can put it is upstairs, and I have a skylight, mm-hmm. so it never really gets bright in there. And uh, of course, all the leaves are coming off. I know this, and uh, but every. Every time I bring it into the home, I get tiny, tiny little white flies, and I, I try all the different mm-hmm. sprays, and they're still coming. I even have those stickies that mm-hmm. you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I have something here. It's, it's called three-in-one. Yep. Can that be used on those little flies?
2: It can, but the, the challenge is, cause I, my heart goes out to you. I mean, I love hibiscus, but, uh, white fly, which is the insect you've got, also love hibiscus. And it's, it feels like it's virtually impossible to get rid of them. I mean, unless you, the three in one definitely works, but you have such a huge plant there, you're going to spend five hours just giving it a thorough spraying. So I would, what I would do if I were you is, I would get out my pruners and a green garbage bag and uh, have your... So, do you have other plants in the house or just the hibiscus? Uh, no,
6: not upstairs. Okay. Where, this is in the in the bathroom. I have it in my... Yeah. I have a large bathroom nice. upstairs.
2: So, I, yeah, I would get out my sharp pruners, my gar- green garbage bag, and I would prune, like today, prune that plant right back by half. So oh, instead great. of being five feet tall and four feet wide... Well, that's
1: going to help with the move, too. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. two and
2: a half feet by two feet. And everything you cut off, as soon as you cut it off, gently and carefully goes into the green. In garbage bag, because there are insects on the cuttings that you're taking off, right? So you keep nothing that you've cut off. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. um, so the plant, and of course, while you're doing that, as you point out, some of the more mature leaves are dropping anyway, so just do a whole kind of a cleanup around all the leaves that you've cut off, anything that's on the ground, and at that point, then, you can use your 3-in-1, and it's good you're in a bathroom, because the 3-in-1, it used to, it depends how, which one you've got, how long you've had that that package, it used to have some oil in it, it used to have canola oil, Mm -hmm. which works really well to kill insects. But, of course, when you're spraying plants in your house with an oil-based product, you're going to have oil overspray that, you know, gets on the walls and that sort of thing. So, if you can get something like that into the shower or into the bathtub, at least it's easy to clean up the tiles and the walls afterwards. Then the more modern 3-in-1 is more pyrethrins and soap, I believe. There's no oil, but nevertheless still can be very effective. Read its directions thoroughly. You're going to have to spray more than once, and you have to spray thoroughly because the way these insecticides work is you have to coat the insect's entire body and they are small small insects obviously.
6: Yes, they're underneath the leaves. When I pick the leaf up, they're are... underneath. So I have to pick up every leaf yep. that I spray.
2: Yes, exactly. And those are actually eggs in a lot of cases that are under the leaves. So uh-huh. you're right, you're gonna have to spray from below and spray up or flip up the leaves yeah. and spray till it drips. You know, so spread out some newspapers or old towels when you're doing this. Uh-huh. And then you're gonna have to do it again because those eggs will hatch.
6: How often do I have to do that? I
2: think on the package it'll suggest every 7 to 10 days. Um, okay. It's very dependent on temperature. So if it's a warm bathroom, they're gonna, the eggs will hatch f- faster and sooner than if it's a cool bathroom. I was thinking of the... Light.
6: It's a cool bathroom. I don't. It's electric, electricity in that room, so I don't turn on the heat at all.
2: Okay.
1: You mentioned you've got a skylight. Mm-hmm. Would a grow light help in this case?
2: Well, you're not really trying to get the growth happening, because hibiscus is so tough. Once the days get a little long. Longer, it'll all start popping out new growth anyway. You know, come February, March. Right now, it's more about eliminating the the. um,
6: And I'll use those sticky things also. They
2: (laughs) they will help as well. Yeah, yeah, because the yellow insects are very attracted to yellow. That's why they're all the commercial growers use them too. They have long strips of yellow Uh. sticky paper all over their greenhouses.
6: Right. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll try again. This yeah. happens every time I bring it in. I mean, and I've had it for about five years.
2: I was going to say, like, I, I had a very loved hibiscus myself, but I just, I finally gave up. I just, when I can't do it, I just keep getting white every winter. Like you say, and you know, it's outside uh-huh. all summer. It's perfectly happy. Everything's great. Bring it in. It's perfectly happy. But a month later, it doesn't like being inside or the insects take advantage of the stress that the plant is under and uh-huh. they emerge from somewhere. And, uh-huh. uh, and yeah, they do love their, they love their hibiscus.
6: <laughs> I love my hibiscus. I put it out on my deck and people, um, all my neighbors say, Gloria, how do you get it so large? <laughs> yeah,
2: well, yeah, um, yeah, so don't hesitate. Like I said, cut back quite dramatically. Make sure you leave some leaves on it, so oh, don't yes. strip it with no leaves, but uh, the fewer the leaves, the less you're going to have to spray, but you okay, are going to spray so thoroughly.
6: I'll cut it in half then, take take it down yeah, halfway.
1: Yeah, good for you, Gloria.
2: Yeah, thank you
6: so calling. much, uh, Charlie and Frank. Have right. a lovely day. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you
1: very much, and thank you for tuning our way here mm-hmm. on Zoomer Radio. Um, we mentioned, uh, actually, we didn't quite mention uh, emails this morning, but mm-hmm. we, from past experience, we doing, we've been doing this show for, what, about 13 years now. Something like that. Uh, we note that, you know, hey, people get really busy about this yeah, time of year. so
2: this is an interesting kind so, of a different Christmas for most of us. Or yes, season, indeed. You know, holiday yeah. season.
1: As a matter of fact, uh, where I live, up in the Stouffville uh, Newmarket area, uh, of course, in the York region, they've just been put on lockdown I know, starting Monday. Monday, but a lot of people are going to be going up to Upper Canada Mall today. Uh, today,
2: because they're grabbing at, the moment.
1: That's right, seizing the day. And you know, boy, it's, it's so
2: tough. tough. Eh? Oh. oh, yeah. No, I heard a thing on the radio yeah. yesterday. Like Steels is the cutoff between yeah. Toronto and, and York Region. Yeah. So North Side versus South Side, and just the frustration people oh, are experiencing absolutely. because North Side was open, South Side was closed. Y- yeah, yeah. And and just the ease of you know those. Horrible Torontonians so, stepping into your know, region. I'm,
1: I'm just, I'm just, um, yeah. oh, it's tough. Yeah. You hate to keep harping on it, but God, folks, keep your distance from everybody else. If you're going up to that, to yeah. the upper Canada or wherever else, you yeah. know, you just got to avoid that <laughs> virus at all costs. Okay. Look. Uh, emails. We might be needing them in the next little while, sure. Because you know, closer to Christmas, it calls uh, cut down. So, send an email to Charlie at this address: c dot dobbin. That's d o b b i n at mzmedia dot com. And matter of fact, I'm going to deal with a uh, email sure. here we had from Karen Whittington. Mm-hmm. Subject: Forcing the cactus. Well, good morning. Do you think you can remind people that by taking the cactus outside for a a few hours in the cooler weather they can force it to bloom within two weeks or so mm. how about mm. that handy for christmas and easter i do it two times per year
2: so thank you karen whittington for that little note and she is talking about a christmas cactus yeah. she just got, refers to it as a, a, cactus. a cactus but show. it's a good reminder so thank you for thank you karen for reminding us to remind the listeners you want flowers on your christmas cactus give them a little bit a couple hours of cool cool temperatures
1: okay uh Waddling off to Waterloo, (laughs) (laughs) there's Catherine. Good morning, Catherine. Welcome to the show.
5: Hello. Morning. Yes, I recently bought a a Christmas cactus, and uh, I I just wanted
3: to know what the best way to care for it.
5: I
2: assume it's in bloom now? there's there there are flowers yeah nice yeah because usually they'll sell them they'll be covered in buds and and flowers mm-hmm. main thing is remember that that is a succulent we, we call it a Christmas cactus but it's mm-hmm. not a prickly cactus it is a most actually considered a forest cactus the, the natural place where they are found in the native uh world in the natural world is in tropical uh forests so uh, down in some sun some shade warm temperatures and not a a lot of water because they're mm-hmm. all the trees are taking oh. all the water so when you're watering a christmas cactus feel the soil do not water by the calendar feel the, so- the soil wait until it gets quite dry <clears throat> hard to the touch firm okay. dry to the to your fingertips you don't need to stick your fingers in there just get it, get the sense of the surface of the soil if you feel any moisture at all do not water and when it starts to feel dry then you water water thoroughly so water comes out the drainage holes, mm-hmm. then dump out whatever water's in the saucer, uh, let it sit for five or ten minutes, but then dump out whatever water comes through and is still sitting in the saucer below the pot, and and then, ag- again, have it in a bright spot in your home. If you have a bright, sunny window, you can put it right in the window, or, you know, again, just a bright, indirect sun, and it'll it'll just perk along nicely. The easiest way to kill a Christmas cactus is too much water. Too much water. Yeah. And... and- so that works if I if I put it out a couple hours in the cold. Well, you won't do that now because it already has been treated for the flowers and buds that it has now. Oh. So you're not going to get more flowers. If anything, you'll just kill off the flowers that are there. Oh. Um, and a day like today, it's like seven or eight degrees anyway. It's more for people that struggle to get those buds set. You know, getting flowers. So people who are sitting with a completely green Christmas cactus right now uh-huh. can certainly put it out for the afternoon, bring it in before. Nightfall. It just as a way to give it that cold treatment. It does often force the plant to to set flower buds. Okay. All right. Well, ma- Merry Christmas Thank you. and Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. Alrighty. Thank you, Catherine. Um, um, you know what? Just yeah. I'm going to interject with. Sure. Uh, I got an email <clears throat> to one of my other email addresses, and it's something that I'm I'm sure some of the listeners are thinking about as well. <clears throat> And you'll see it for sale right now. Garden centers, convenience stores are selling little potted evergreens. Oh so I mean there are tropical evergreens. You know, we've got the Norfolk Island pine and, and various little you know, rosemary trees. So these are tropical plants that are indoor plants shaped like a tree. It's all good. You take them home, you can decorate them up, enjoy them as an indoor Christmas living tree. Mm -hmm. However, like I said, there are also potted evergreens that are not tropical plants. These are hardy spruce trees, little pine trees, you know, it could be little hemlocks, plants that normally live outside here in Ontario all year round. So the impulse is to take this cute little tree home, bring it into your house, decorate it all up, make that your potted live Christmas tree, and then after Christmas, take off the decorations and put it outside. Not a good idea. Not if you want it to live, because the issue is is that you take this tree that's been outside its entire life, and they're sitting outside right now in the stores. As soon as you bring it in, it goes, oh wow, it's spring. So it starts to grow and thinks it's April or May or June, because your house is nice and warm. And then It sits in your house for a couple of weeks, and you will see little tips, little new growth because of nice warmth. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, all right, Christmas is over. You're a tough plant. Out you go. Kick it outside into the snow, and it's going to go, what? You know, what just happened there? I thought it was spring. So all that new growth will turn brown and die. And the, the plant can get so stressed through this whole process, it itself can die. So my suggestion is if you're going to buy a sweet little potted evergreen that is sitting outside the store right now as it should be, Take it home. Keep it outside your house if you Mm -hmm. can, or keep it out until Christmas Eve. Bring it in just for Christmas Day and then take it back outside. Don't let it get used to the heated house. So do, you know, if you want to have that live little potted tree that you're going to plant outside next spring when the ground, you know, thaws, that's, it's a cool idea. And I, people love it because it's kind of got that sustainability aspect to it, but the plant will not survive if it's in for weeks in your home.
1: All, right. all righty. Fair point. Very good point. Matter of fact. Yeah. And that direct from Charlie herself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, let me deal with another email here before oh, we go right. to our callers again. We've got sure. some folks waiting online. There will be to you very shortly. But Ann Wall writes in the subject matter. Stand by me. Clematis or Clematis. Hi, Charlie. My favorite plant. Stand by me. Clematis was so wonderful this year. Should I cut it back in the
2: fall? Yeah, so that was a good question. I'd never heard of Stand By Me clematis, no. so I looked it up. It is from Proven Winners, and Proven Winners is a interesting company that often does put out great plants. That is a bush clematis. We think of most clematis as vines, right? They climb yeah. up trellises, they they grow beautifully up and down arbors, etc. But this particular one, Stand By Me, is a fairly new introduction. It's got blue bell shaped bell shaped flowers, so really pretty flowers, bright blue. But because it's a little bush, what? Well, not that little. It'll grow about three feet tall and three feet wide mm. in the growing season. But it's like a herb what we would call a herbaceous perennial. So winter comes, the whole plant will die down to the to the ground. The root is alive below ground, but everything above ground it probably hasn't even been cold enough yet, but once it's cold enough, everything above ground will die. So next spring, what's going to happen is there's no no pruning required because it's all going to come up from the root. Oh. So from ground level next spring, you're just going to clean up whatever debris is left or prune off in the spring, whatever's still there. But um because it's big and... Round and bushy, as I said. No. Feel free to maybe put a tomato cage over it early in the season, so that that'll help keep it in a bit of an upright form, as opposed to just flopping on the ground. Uh, Stake, put a couple stakes around with some string around your stakes, okay. or even put it uh, have plants on either side of it that are taller plants and can kind of provide little shoulders for Stability, it to lean on yeah. yeah so just as a way to keep it as sort of three feet tall and three feet wide as you can get that height um by giving it a little bit of uh, of a um, staking if, if necessary but yeah interestingly no pruning required Oh, there you go. Okay. Saved you a whole bunch of work. Exactly. It was a
1: exactly. Good choice. <laughs> now I know Joanne's online from Midland, so hang tight there, Joanne. We're going to take a next little break and then come back and have a chat. You can have a chat with Charlie and see what she can do to help you right here in the garden show from Zoomer Radio. Fully half of Zoomer's nearly 3 million readers took a vacation trip last year. Are you one? Then you'll love reading about how some snowbirds are still traveling, even in COVID. Where are they going? How are they getting there? Also, read how a wife and mother upended her life as she turned 60 with a five-month adventure alone to a remote area of Brazil. The new issue of Zoomer with Queen Elizabeth on the cover. On sale now. Zoomer Magazine. Life empowered
2: daffodils
3: and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds magnolia
2: lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums
3: stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams
0: you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: you know, uh, Charlie. From time to time, I like to appoint uh, various people, meteorologists, for their area. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, Joanne, up in Midland, uh, glance out your window and tell us what it looks like in Midland today. Hi,
2: Joanne. Hello, Joanne. Good morning. Where are you? Hey, Joanne. She put the phone down and went to do something. <laughs>
5: oh,
2: hi. Oh, there you are. There you. Go. Good morning. I, know.
5: I didn't know when to turn the radio. Radio all.
2: Oh, okay. It's off now, right? Yeah.
5: Sh- yeah, thanks a lot for taking my call. Um, my husband um, planted a t- uh, lemon seed uh, about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so we now have a shrub, I would call it, that's about five feet high. And it's, it's all kind of hanging over, and it doesn't look the greatest. And the leaves... <laughs> are turning, some of the leaves are turning yellow. Mm-hmm. Now, it's in a sunny window.
2: Right.
5: Uh, so I don't know what to do with it, because um, it's getting uh, pretty shaggy looking. <laughs> can I prune that back?
2: You can. Um, so, what size pot is it in? Roughly? Oh. Did you hello. hear? Hello yeah, hello. Hello. We're here. Uh, we're here. Did, what size pot is it in, roughly?
5: Oh, it is in um, maybe
2: a 10-inch pot. Okay, and it's been there for five years, or was it put into that pot recently? No, it
5: was put into it with maybe a couple of years ago. We put it in a, a bigger oh. pot. Okay,
2: and with potting soil? Yeah. Okay, so yes, what I would do is sunny windows important. Um Bright because bright is very important, but yeah, no, definitely, a pruning is what you need to do is you need to train what could be a very messy plant into a much more attractive plant um, the cha- The challenge is that citrus trees in our homes, if they 're getting enough light and they're happy plants, will typically start setting flowers. In the late winter, so in the next month or so. Oh, so if you oh. did a lot of pruning now, you might be eliminating potential flowers or fruit. But on the other hand, you, you should do some cleaning up on it. It does need to be pruned properly. So it's clean cuts, sharp pruners, no stubs left on it and really eyeball the plant. Like recognize the most you're going to take off is a third of the plant at any one pruning. And, right. and so you just really look at it from 360 degrees. <clears throat> look uh-huh. at ways that you can untangle the mess. You want it to be pruned to be an open plant so that sun can penetrate into the center. Otherwise the leaves will turn ye- yellow. You need, you know, good air circulation, good sun penetration, even though, you know, it's inside your home, but you need to prune it for healthy growth and prune obviously so that the next growth grows to the outside and not the inside of the plant.
5: Okay, so we can prune it now,
2: right? You can, you can. You absolutely, you can prune it absolutely anytime you want. Sometimes we just try to avoid pruning because we want the flowers so desperately. But in your case, it sounds like even if you did get flowers... We haven't had any flowers at all. Yeah, well, yeah. So, that, yeah, do, do some good pruning now and start some fertilizing in February, monthly f- okay, fertilizing. Okay, I was
5: going to ask about
2: that. Yeah. Okay, Okay.
5: well, that sounds dandy
2: then. Good stuff. Let us know how that works. Thank you very much. Oh, I will. Uh, thank <laughs> you.
1: All right, Joanne, thank you. Um, we have... Uh, Werner. Okay. Look, yes. look
2: who's on the line. Uh, oh, I you see that? Tilsonburg. I Tilsonburg. I didn't know you that's, saw it.
1: No, I did. He's our friend. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Werner is our friend. And maybe he can be my meteorologist for the Tilsonburg area.
2: <laughs> maybe he knows what to do about voles, too. He knows a lot of stuff. Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay, let's get him on the air here. Werner, Good morning.
3: Good morning, Frank. How are you doing? Morning, <laughs> good morning,
2: Charlie. Good morning, Werner. How are you doing? How are you doing, you guys? We're good. How are you?
1: I'm wondering what it's like around the Tilsonburg area. You've got snow down oh, there? Oh, it's
2: uh,
3: about four degrees, and it's sleazy-like.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, rainy. Yeah, well, gray. It's a gray day.
3: You had somebody on there. They're looking to kill uh, or destroy uh, moles. Right. Vol-
2: no, voles. Voles. With a V. Moles or gopers. No, voles. Voles. Um, v as in Victor, voles. Right? Voles. Voles, yeah.
3: Oh, I have one here that says moles.
2: Yeah, I know. I was looking it up too. They're quite different, actually, voles and moles. But it sounds Anyways, like she's got voles. Yep.
3: I have a giant destroyer, it's called.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the bomb. And it's,
3: it's a gas bomb.
2: Yeah, sulfur. Oh.
3: how's that you work? You light it and you stick it into the hole.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
3: uh, you might be lucky to get them because they say they have more than one uh, exit. That's right. If you can find them, they're hard to find. I just stick them in and let them go. (laughs) They might uh, leave and never come back.
2: (laughs) You can only hope, right? Yeah, so um, is that something you bought recently or have you had that in your cupboard for a few years?
3: No, no, no. I bought that this summer. Oh, okay. I oh, wasn't okay. sure if that was
2: still on the market. Okay. Giant At Destroyer. Yeah. It's a T- sulfur bomb. TSC?
3: Those, those stores? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. TSC. Yeah. That's
3: where I bought it.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, I, I hope Vanessa is still listening. She's based in Brampton, and she had the vole problem. I also see a great website here on the Farmer's Almanac. The old Farmer's Almanac has a whole big chapter on voles. So oh, yeah. So almanac.com voles. There you go. Good information yeah. there too. Hey. But the giant destroyers, we used to sell those at White Rose. They were quite popular. But you best if you can find all the exits and entrances, block them off. Yeah. Drop it down into the one access point. Kaboom! And you, well, you light it. It's, 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 it's all
3: the instructions.
1: Smolders. on
2: Smolders. It smolders. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for hey, that, thanks, Warner. Werner. That's and
1: a, uh, in case we don't have a chat with you before time, uh, happy Christmas to you and yeah. yours.
3: Same to you guys. And listen, if we get enough send them down here we make some sausage.
2: Oh, gee. oh God. <laughs> that, that's a <laughs> positive spin because I was just thinking, you know, here we we're talking about killing some poor little animals. We could, some people just trap them, right? Yeah, yeah. Take them away. Yeah. <laughs> leave it to Warner. Yeah, take leave them it to Warner to kill them. Oh, all right, sausage. There you go. Bulls. high. Oh, golly. Okay, guys. On that right, note, t-
1: thanks, care, Warner. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, oh, man. Uh, we, we have some <laughs> oh, man, lines open right. here. As a matter of okay, fact, I think on. we've got Let a completely clear line um, at uh, But I've got a wonderful email oh, here. Oh, have you? Okay. Way well, we go. Don't you
2: have it, Betsy?
1: Oh. oh. Yes, uh, I do. I, I was going to save that because oh. we're up to almost break time, but I'll, I'll do with it now. Okay. This is from Betsy. It says, Hi, Charlie and Frank. My husband Jack has a veggie garden. His question is about growing beets. They always have big, healthy leaves, but no beets. What should he do to solve this problem? We both enjoy your show every Saturday. Well, hi to Betsy and Jack.
2: Exactly. From Damascus, Ontario. Yeah, yeah, I meant to look that up, son. <clears throat> I forgot to. Yeah. All right. So here is... The the book on beets. Yeah. Okay, number one, plant seeds 30 days before frost-free date. So what that means is get those seeds in the ground while the soil is cool and the temperatures are still cool because beets like that. One of the recommendations is to plant more seeds every three Mm -hmm. to four weeks after that, but once it gets hot, you won't have great germination. But for sure, get more beets seeds in the ground in September, sorry, August. To be uh, harvesting in October. Now, the biggest reason why people don't get the roots underground, lots of leaves but no roots, is that they're, they don't thin their beets sufficiently. If they're crowded, you know, you seed them very carefully far apart, but then you still got to go back and thin. As soon as they're a little bit crowded, there's no root development. So thin the the beets' seedlings so that they are three to six inches apart Each little plant Mm -hmm. and each row is at least 12 inches apart. But another little tip is when you're thinning, don't pull out the ones you're pulling out because you can disturb the ones you're leaving behind. Instead, use a little pair of scissors and just cut them off at ground level. You can save the greens that you're cutting off and eat those. But just do a, do a little cutting in there to thin them three to six inches apart. That will help with root development or bulb. You know the, the mm-hmm. edible part of a beet. Remember as well, they, too much nitrogen will give lots of leaves, so don't be feeding a lot of nitrogen to your beets. Uh, both Bone meal can help with root development. So bone meal sprinkled on the surface of the soil when you're seeding is not a bad idea. Full sun is important. Minimum five hours of direct sunlight every day to have a good healthy beet crop. Um, And then it all kind of comes down to soil. You may want to get your soil tested because there's, there are optimal soil conditions for growing beets. Uh, pH of 6 or higher is important. It should be well-drained. It should be a sandy, loose soil, again, so those roots can develop. And believe it or not, beets need boron. They're one of those very specific plants. I mean, it's a micronutrient that mm-hmm. all plants need, but they really absolutely need boron. So one tablespoon of borax in six quarts of water for a 100-foot row of beets Uh, could be appropriate just to make sure you've got adequate boron in the, in the ground. And as I mentioned, a soil test, taking soil sample, send it in or get a little test kit from your local, um, garden center and test yourself. And then at the end of the day, all vegetables, whether it's tomatoes or beets or lettuce or anything, needs consistent watering through the growing season. Obviously, we water daily when we first plant seeds to get the seeds germinated but after that you know we get into long periods of drought it's our responsibility to make sure that all those vegetables are getting adequate water it's raining fine but if it's not raining you have to have a source of of water whether it's a rain barrel or a river or a, a hose bib so make sure that you're watering consistently to get you know consistent growth of the entire plant
1: and you'll have the problem beet (laughs) <laughs> oh dear all right uh, we, you were just uh, waiting for that you were uh, waiting i
2: could see you i wondered what it was you wanted to say <laughs> <laughs>
1: pardon me oh dear don't get me confidence. Uh, no. <laughs> okay we have to take a break here yes we'll be back momentarily to say hi to marianne right here in toronto on
0: zoomer radio <laughs> don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, dokie, Charlie,
1: let's go to, uh, maybe around the corner, Mary Ann from Toronto on the line to say hi to Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Mary Ann.
4: Good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, many years ago, I hope you're keeping well, uh, many years ago when we had cats, I was given an aloe plant, mm-hmm. and I have since found out it's called a spider aloe. Um, it's got uh, soft leaves and uh, gel in the middle. Mm-hmm. And if you had cat scratches or hangnails or anything, uh, you could use the aloe. Right. Anyway, it's been growing wild out of the pot, and. It grows out in long branches and it just keeps growing and growing and you can cut them off and, and uh, plant them on mm-hmm. water or soil and they just keep growing forever. How do I tame them?
2: <laughs> what a great, great problem. Eh? Yeah. My plant is growing too much. Usually it's the other way around. right? That's the thing. When plants are happy, they grow. Oh. So there's really no way to tame it. If you want to slow it down because obviously it's it's happy and it just keeps getting bigger, multiplying itself. Right. Don't transplant it into a bigger pot. Keep it keep it pot bound. Oh. And that will limit its growth. Oh, uh, And of course, if you have some friends and family that you haven't already given aloe to, makes a great Christmas present, um, to uh, pot up some little ones, uh, do some se- separating that way. But that's one of the best ways if a plant is outgrowing its space and you just don't want to move into a bigger house for your plants, right. then, then yeah, just d- force force it to stay. It's It forces it to, it dwarfs it, if you will, uh, right. by underwatering it. Of course, don't water it very often, maybe once or twice a year kind of thing, and keep it in a sunny spot, and remember that uh, a bigger pot is just going to encourage it to grow bigger.
4: Uh, and the gel from the leaves are really helpful for oh, absolutely, totally yeah. for yeah.
2: burns, sunburn, uh-huh. uh, uh, bug bites, like right. you said, scratches, anything. Yes, it's a it's quite magical actually. The gel inside aloe. Okay. Great stuff.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Thanks thank you, for Marianne. sharing.
2: Have a, have a wonderful Christmas too,
1: and thanks for joining us here in the garden mm-hmm. room. Now, uh, our final caller, I do believe, would be Maureen calling in from North York, and I hope this is the Maureen who listens to every show that I do here <laughs> and
2: gives us great feedback.
1: She, yeah, she certainly not. is. That you, Maureen? Yes,
5: it is. It's- it's me. Oh, all right. Now,
1: just before you Morning. come up with your. Uh, I know you've got a kind of a quick question, but I want to thank you and recommend the little book that you sent me to give to uh, m- m- one of my granddaughters, uh, Maggie, uh, who's a Down Frank syndrome was little gal. Telling me about it. And it is the best damn book. I've got it in the car because I'm going to be meeting Kelly very shortly to pass off the, the goodies. I want him to read your story that you sent me. To Maggie, do you remember the title of that peanut the the it's squirrel?
5: Merry Christmas, squirrel!
1: Merry, oh, oh Merry folks, Christmas, folks! Look, squirrels. if you're at a at a library or at least a bookstore in the next, you've got to take a look at that book. It's marvelous. It's,
2: it's a Nova Scotia author, I think yes, you said. Yes, yeah, oh,
1: yeah. She's
5: for, wonderful, absolutely, and the story is absolutely uh, delightful, charming. And uh, what makes it is the photograph. Yeah,
1: she, Frank was on saying. her back porch, she takes these photographs of the squirrels, and she, you know, me has a Table there, and she has to wait, take a hundred photographs sometime just to get the right one. I know. And it's but put it's it, really marvelous. Anyway, I didn't together. want to steal your your question from you here. Uh, so, Maureen, go ahead and ask that question okay, you wanted a quick
6: question. to. Question: I have a, a live little four foot real Christmas tree, and I've been putting water. But I remember my father used to always put sugar. Right. But some of my friends said no, just to clear water. And I also was wondering if you could use flower food. Like I always have fresh flowers. I put the crystal flower food in. Would that help or is it not a good thing?
2: No, that's a good question actually. So, so what you've got is a live cut Christmas tree and you want to keep it green and healthy and happy in your home as long as possible. The sugar water, sugar in the water is actually what that cut flower uh, food is it is just sugar, uh, and so you can just put in your own sugar or use your cut flower food to support the health and longevity of the cut tree. They're not, they're never going to live forever, but you just want to prolong them. They're they're looking good and being a, a, you know an attractive um, part of the house. The other thing that should be in cut flower food. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I'm not sure if it is in there, but the best cut flower food would also have some hormones in it uh, that would again support the plant having no roots, being able to absorb water through the cut stem. So, yeah, either one works. Uh, we never have ingredients on the cut flower food, so we never really know what's in it, but it is sugar-based. So, yeah, do it and and enjoy your tree for as long as you can.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Maureen. And uh, in case we don't have a chat with you before, I have yeah. a very Merry
2: Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas to you. And, and that, appreciate course, your emails. Listeners. Speaking of emails, oh, yeah. c.dobbin.
1: All right, let me do that again. C, uh, email to send to Charlie Dobbin, C dot dobbin, d-o-b-b-i-n, at mzmedia.com and we are at the checkout counter. We got to get out of here. The boys from Dave's Corner Garage are I revving up the engines I hear here. them.
2: I see them. I can't miss them. So we'll have to let them take over the airwaves. But uh, thank you so much, Frank. Thank, thank you, you to all the great callers. You know, this wouldn't be nearly as fun if we didn't get great questions from great callers. So keep those coming, and don't hesitate to email either way. We'll get you on the air. Thank you, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without your help as well. So everybody, have a wonderful week. Happy Hanukkah to those that are celebrating, and I.